0: Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd. Happy Travel Tuesday, everyone. we got a great show for you lined up today. Going to be talking big news around the world of travel, as always, and some budget travel tips, too, so stay tuned for that. If you could leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can at podcast at TravelPulse.com, or you can call and leave a message on our hotline show, 201 381 3017 is the Travel Pulse podcast number. And now joining me on the show is Will Hatton, founder of The Broke Backpacker. Welcome to the show, Will. Tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself.
1: Ahoy! Thank you very much for having me on. I am indeed founder of The Broke Backpacker. Uh, I first started traveling about 14 years ago, and The Broke Backpacker has existed for a little bit over 10 years now. Um, Our first year, September 2013, I think we had 14 users. Uh, Now we have up to 1.5 million users in an average month, so it's grown into one of the biggest sites um, in the budget travel space. We specialize in covering places like Iran, Pakistan, India, Venezuela, some of the more far-flung islands in the Philippines, and just really encouraging people to get off the beaten path and expand their personal development by pushing through their comfort zone, really. So we're all about like hitchhiking and camping and teaching yourself your own skills. My journey online has taken me to some interesting spaces. And now I'm in Bali where I run a co-working hostel, which is the first of its kind in Indonesia. And we specifically serve uh, the digital nomads and the aspiring entrepreneur community. So that's been a really exciting journey as well.
0: Love that, man. Yeah, that's a great growth there, too, and just a testament, too, of the interest of uh, this topic and, you know, the, the backpack life and and so many people aspire to it. So we're going to, Will and I are going to chat more about budget travel tips and the backpack and the digital nomad travel lifestyle and everything. Uh, but first, as we do for every episode, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast here, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with the continued Uh, news around Maui and the aftermath of the wildfires there. And the big topics now is should you travel to Maui right now? Some residents are saying no, and they've been outraged by tourists still coming to Maui and everything. However, local and state government officials say that they welcome visitors as long as they don't travel to West Maui. So they're saying avoid West Maui, but the rest of Maui still come. Other islands in Hawaii, please still come. The Hawaiian Tourism Authority agrees, and they said that in a statement, quote, we want to make sure that there isn't a secondary economic challenge created by this, end quote. So, Will, your, your thoughts. Do you think people should travel to Maui right now?
1: Short answer, no. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of other incredible places to go, even within Hawaii and within like the wider world. So I feel like when the local community are being quite clear that they're uh, not in a position to receive tourists in the way that they would like to at the moment, that that i think as a responsible tourist you should try to listen to that i mean there's there's so many other options of places that you could go um i think that like potentially temporarily pausing um travel to the region would be a good idea but i guess the only fair way of doing that would be putting up to some kind of vote for the maui people um so yeah not a hawaii expert but I, i would pause things if i was in charge
0: yeah, I agree. If you don't have a trip already set there, then don't pick that destination. Or if you had your heart set on Mau- Mau- or Hawaii, then pick one of the other islands and just let Maui recover and continue to donate to you know verified funds um, and foundations that are going to be able to assist and help in any economic challenges created by that. I understand where the business side is coming from on things, but yeah, I, I'm going to lean towards the people and the residents there that have been negatively impacted by this devastation here. So it, don't go. You know, if you had something planned, then reschedule for later when they give the announcement that you know Maui is fully open and please come back and then start pouring in all your dollars. Then is my take on that. So the tourism industry in Maui does account for eighty percent of its wealth. So it's going to be a rough patch here, but you know there was a rough patch in COVID times too, and they got through and were persevering. And you know this is. Unfortunate times, but yeah, I I say, you know, don't go at the time right now. So, podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. Let me know your thoughts on the Maui situation right now. And speaking of the path to recovery and everything, we go to a broader scale of globally in the travel industry and big uh, airlines, hotels, car rentals, OTAs. They all experienced significant recovery in 2022, as we know. Some more uh, data just came out on that, the combined revenue for airlines. Um, and all of those um, reached 1.28 trillion, according to the just-released Allianz Partners' big book of travel data. And uh, also in the air travel space, the uh, U.S. travel agency air ticket sales are continuing to climb. Uh, The July numbers just came in this past week, and U.S. travel agency air ticket sales increased 11% year-over-year, nearly $7.6 billion, according to the latest data released by Airlines Reporting Corp., so Great sides on the air stuff. And then you go to global tourism picture uh, is expected to reach 15.5 trillion in 10 years now. This according to the World Travel and Tourism Council's 2023 Economic Impact Research Report. So globally, the travel and tourism industry is closing on the 2019 levels of economic activity, recovering more than 95%. So in 2023 alone so far, uh, travel and tourism industry, it's expected to reach 9.5 trillion on the year, which is merely 5% below 2019 pre-pandemic levels. Ah, uh, which is twenty nineteen was when travel was at its highest there. And now they're projecting in ten years, twenty twenty three to be fifteen point five trillion. I mean, that's just wow. Like the continuing uh, recovery of um is great, will. but I think there are still some challenges that lie ahead and some changes needed in the industry for sure, namely better staffing in the air travel sector with pilots and air traffic controllers. so what are your what's your thoughts on all this recovery news and and where we're at? <laughs>
1: Well, the recovery news for somebody working in the travel industry is obviously great news. Um, owning a hostel out here, I mean, we were very, very quiet for a while, um, and we're kind of limping along. And certainly, it's been a lot busier here. So you can kind of you can kind of feel on the island of Bali that is picked up, and I, I can also see in the back end of my website that search volume has picked up. I think. The big issue at the moment is flights continue to be so expensive. And I think that until we've got more sustainable work schedules, more reliable staffing uh, put in place by the airlines, we're gonna continue to have that issue that puts um maybe puts a lot of people off traveling or makes traveling you know just more logistically challenging i'm off i'm off to peru from bali in um in like oh. a month it, it's it's horrible it's like five flights and 42 hours and it's super expensive agreed you know it is like on the other side of the world like right. fair play i hold my hands up but i think <laughs> that um overall we've got to have some changes so that the travel industry can bounce back to its full potential
0: Right, yeah, the the dollars and the high prices of everything, so it's no surprise thing that you know we're gonna have you know big record numbers on this because everything is more expensive, and really it's it comes down to the flights, and that's really gonna be dictating how people determine whether or not they do travel overseas or whether they make a, you know, a cross country flight somewhere in the US, if you're for the American listeners, or whether they decide, you know what, I'm going to drive instead, it may take me 12 hours, but I'm going to save hundreds of dollars, because these flight prices are just astronomical for a lot of people. And my I, I tip of the cap to you, man, like, that's a long journey. I'm sure it's going to be a fun one, <laughs> though. But yeah, I mean, no <laughs> surprise that the price is probably, you know, impacting big on that. But I'm, um, you know, Bali to Peru, that, that sounds quite quite a journey, man. I'm not. Uh,
1: That'd be cool pretty far <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: so in other travel news we jump over to the sustainable travel front and travelers now are willing to pay 10 percent more for sustainable travel uh this despite inflation news and uh, nearly 80 percent of travelers will pay at least uh willing to pay at least 10 percent more for sustainable travel options according to the new euro monitor international's newly released sustainable travel index of 2023 so we'll your thoughts on this report
1: so I think there's two sides to this on the one side it's fantastic that people are willing to pay more and willing to step up and willing to support all of these eco travel initiatives um I used to run tours in Pakistan and Iran and was trying to do those in a way that was as ethical as possible paying like decent wages we were very involved on the ground um And I know firsthand that it can be difficult to actually do things in the eco and environmental friendly way that you may want to. And I think as well that there is the other side of this is that there is definitely an element of greenwashing. So people are are happy to pay more. But. I think that in some cases they're paying more for a service that really is, it's just packaged differently. It's its the same service that a lot of companies I feel haven't done the necessary work to really step up and make their products, their accommodations, their services, their tours um, to be as friendly as they should be.
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point on the greenwashing aspect of things. And it's just it makes you think like, yeah, it's great on on the one side where consumers are like, yes, you know, we're, we're for this. We're going to we're going to put our dollars where it matters. And but, you know, a lot of people on that side say, oh, that looks great. Here you go. Here's my here's my money. Here's my credit card. Book it. I'm going to something that's a little bit more sustainable, but they didn't actually do too much inside, you know, uh, checks on that and checks and balances on that. And that's why I always recommend working with a travel advisor, especially if you are, you know, dead set on, I want my entire trip to be very eco friendly and eco conscious and all that. You, you need someone that's going to be on your side and helping you through that process if you don't really know too much about it. Yeah. So it's great that that's where we're headed in the industry, though. And I love that. So more positive news on that front. And hopefully businesses will take leaps and bounds to actually put more. Th- action into things instead of, you know, on the green, greenwashing side of things where you're just, you know, putting a bandaid over something and you're not really doing too much. But uh, th- that's where we need to head is to remove that and, and get more serious about that uh, on, on that front. So in other travel news, though, we, we continue on and we got to talk a little bit about the latest naughty travelers space here as we wrap up what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week or so here. Um, <laughs> this wild one from uh, Paris last week, Uh, A man jumped off from the Eiffel Tower and with his own parachute on that. And this was uh, days after drunk American tourists were found asleep in an off-limits area and they passed out overnight. And they were found on Monday morning when the guards were uh, doing the morning checks, which is just kind of alarming. And then you also had in Europe uh, the Trevi Fountain water bottle fiasco. A woman climbed the iconic landmark to fill up her water bottle.
1: And then promptly
0: arrested, like what I don't know what she was thinking on that, but will, what are your what are your thoughts on these two really wild stories?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're definitely wild stories. I mean, I think you've always had people on the road who are foolish and you've also always had people on the road who just don't care and who are disrespectful. And there is a difference between the two. I think that there, there, there is such a thing as naively making a mistake and none of these incidences that you just mentioned really fall within that camp. What if they were to receive a $1 fine for every like, every follower that they have on Instagram? I think now, yeah, a pretty healthy reprimand and would put people off... <laughs> trying to do this kind of stuff just for exposure.
0: Right, yeah, some some sort of, um, you know, mass viral campaign of this is going to be your punishment of, you know, if you do, you know, crazy things like this just beyond, I guess, I don't know, arrest or, I mean, because they sort of live in infamy with these some of these stories here. But uh, I'm also just impressed that they're, I mean, I know it, the, the man jumping off the Eiffel Tower was on Parachute. Like, how is there not more, like, video of that? Where Where's the viral video on, on that? I know the the story said that it happened, like before um the it opened and everything so it was like five or something in the morning so probably just daybreak but i'm sure you know there's like the cameras all around paris somewhere like surely there's a recording of that like but they're not they would never release it because you know they don't want to entice other people to do that but i first saw that story and i was like where's the video that was my first reaction and i don't know what that says about everything here but um yeah, you're always going to have um, wild antics and naughty travelers, and it's uh, part of the travel industry, and hopefully people will not, you know, act in foolish ways. Um, but yeah, like you said, there are people that just do not care, and that's an unfortunate side, uh, and you just have to sort of just be on your toes, I guess, in the travel space um, when you're around some of these more uh, iconic landmarks, if you will, because that's where they tend to happen on some of the craziness, right?
1: I actually had an incident whilst leading a tour in Pakistan where one of the female guests on the tour decided to do a little impromptu naked photo shoot in the mountains. Um, and when I finally reached her and was able to have a conversation with her because she was just out of shouting distance, which I think was quite tactical on her behalf, I was like, you really cannot behave like this. It, we're anywhere. You can't just suddenly decide to get naked and do a photo shoot, but let alone a more conservative nation like Pakistan. So I think that there's always going to be Groups of people who who want to take these types of photos without really thinking about anybody else or the culture where they're in, and I think it's just disrespectful behavior that it doesn't really help the uh, travel community.
0: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, well, that is crazy, especially in that country. Like, what? Just there's no yeah. thought given. Like, it's very, it's very selfish of people. There's a lot of selfish people. Out there, especially when they travel and they think they're on vacation and they sort of think they rule the world sometimes. And it's like, no, nah, that's, mm-hmm. that's not how the world works. Like, no, come on, be respectful. Yeah, so, absolutely. That wraps up what has been trending in travel in the last week or so, a little bit of it at least, but there's always more travel news. You can check us out at travelpulse.com for all the latest travel news. Any additional thoughts on the news stuff, drop me an email podcast at travelpulse.com. Now we're going to jump over to our theme of the week around budget travel and everything. So Will, I just let's start off from the top, man. What are some of your go-to budget travel tips?
1: It's a great question. Um, I think that approaching travel with the vibe of there being seasons is a good idea. So normally if somebody is hitting the road with the goal of traveling for a year, I will tell them, hey, look, try and get $5,000 in your bank account. And then you can spend three or four months going around somewhere like Central America or Southeast Asia, which are both like budget backpacker friendly quite easy quite safe then you can go to australia for four months and you can get a job there and then you can do four months of harder travel somewhere like india or nepal or pakistan or maybe south america or getting a vehicle and driving around i mean that's normally what i recommend for someone who wants to do a year of travel but when it comes to actually doing budget travel, I think really it comes to being willing to get out of your comfort zone. So I first started traveling the world on a budget of $10 a day and I did that for four years. Um, I spent two years of that in India and I was hitchhiking, I was sleeping in train stations, I was camping, I was cooking my own food on like a little Bunsen burner. And it was an amazing experience that really taught me to get out of my comfort zone, to get more confident, to learn some practical skills. So there's a lot of benefits like that when it comes to actually embracing budget travel. I think a lot of people are intimidated or get anxious about this style of travel. But um, it's actually a really amazing way to get around. Obviously, there is a middle ground as well. You know, you can travel on $25 a day. You can travel on $50 a day. But I think what's important to realize is that if you really want to travel, especially if you're young and you're maybe better positioned to get uncomfortable by sleeping on a concrete floor in a train station, then if you really want to travel, you, you can absolutely make it happen. It just takes a bit of work and the ability to be uncomfortable
0: yeah, really stepping outside of your comfort zone on that. I mean, I, I don't know that I would sleep on a train station, but I have slept on plane you know, uh, airport benches and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, floors there. So yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe so. You, but yet again, yeah, it's it's setting a, a number in your head and I think sticking to it and finding ways to really make it happen. And I commend you, $10 a day, That that's impressive. That's like, it's... It kind of a little mind-boggling. Uh, I don't know, you know, in today's <laughs> landscape of pricing, if that could be done. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it could. It could be done. Anything could be done, really. But it would just be a lot be more tough. challenging.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, re- I wrote a book on how to travel the world on $10 a day. And I'm currently involved in, like, the biggest edit job of my life and updating it to $20 a day of a lot of new information. I mean, you, you certainly can travel like super cheap, especially if you're hitchhiking and you're couch surfing and you're using like hospitality networks, like staying with friends of friends, maybe picking up some volunteering placements along the way. It doesn't have to be miserable, but you just have to be willing for it to occasionally be miserable. If, you know, if the alternative is spending a week's budget to stay in the only accommodation option that's around, obviously you can't do that. So it does limit your options a little bit, but I think that it's it's well worth it to have the experience of getting out into the world and seeing some stuff.
0: Yeah, and you see the world differently in a different way too, as opposed to, you know, if you were dropping big dollars and yeah, you get out of your comfort zone, off the beaten path and you learn a little bit more and you learn more about yourself too. and And I'm sure doing backpack travel too, is a big way on that. So what are some of your do's and don'ts um, for travelers who are interested in the backpack travel lifestyle?
1: I think that the top tip, to be honest, is to be willing to go on like a, uh, a longer journey because the longer trips in general, like it can be cheaper, they can be more relaxed, they can enable you to like really get into a local community, to get into a local culture. So if you've got the opportunity to go on a longer trip, that's normally what I recommend. But I really think that it just comes down to, again, just being willing to step out of your comfort zones if you if you've never left london go to france if you've never been outside of europe go to morocco or go to southeast asia you don't have to dive in the deep end. As long as you are diving in an end where you're you're just unable to touch the bottom and you're just out of your comfort zone, your comfort zone will continue to expand. And before you know it, you'll be able to go and do some more crazy adventures that will teach you some different skills and introduce you to some different experiences. I think as well, like when it comes to backpacking, um, a big mistake that I see a lot of people make is over planning. Uh, and hey, look, I'm I like planning. It's actually you, you should see my Google Calendar. It's ridiculous. I like planning, um, but mm-hmm. over planning planning really tends to like lock you into uh, a format which maybe isn't the most flexible and often you might end up rocking up somewhere where you've banked two days for that place and you meet a bunch of people or you meet a cute individual who captures your attention and you don't want to leave so i think it's important to not book every night of your trip and to have some flexibility built in
0: that's a great tip there yeah flexibility is key as we've seen so much in the last few years with with all of travel really so yeah keep an open mind and uh, i like that yeah don't always set everything and you know let the trip take you where it's going to take
1: you right absolutely actually i think another tip that's definitely worth mentioning is just making the effort to um to really get a feel for a local culture to really like meet and speak to some local people. So, like, I, I like to travel without a phone. Obviously, I always have a phone with me, but often I will just leave my phone behind at the hostel or my Airbnb and whatever, and I'll just go and wander out. And I really enjoy that because when you don't have a phone, you have to ask people for directions. You don't really know where you're going. You have to have more interactions. You have to, like, you just have the opportunity to see things with, you know, the Mark II human eyeball rather than actually seeing everything through your phone. I see, especially, a lot of young people, and I I'm lucky in that I was from a generation where I didn't grow up with, with a phone, but a lot, a lot of young people, they are very much on their phones the entire time whilst they're traveling. And I think that that detracts from the experience. So I think building in parts, elements of a digital detox whilst backpacking is really smart and also enables you to have more r- real, genuine cultural experiences.
0: Yeah, that would be a challenge for a lot of people out there. That's for sure on foregoing the phone aspect on that. I know I would uh, find some difficulty in that. I didn't have smartphones. I was in college when smartphones really launched and, and took wave and everything. But um, yeah, that would be a challenge for a lot of people, but it's certainly re- can be rewarding on that aspect, at least, you know, for an afternoon, if you really struggle with your phone thing and yeah, leave it in your hotel and just go out and explore and wonder. And like you said, yeah, you're, you're really going to have to lean on that human connection aspect of travel and, and connecting and you know engaging with people to, to help you on your path and everything. So,
1: absolutely. Also, I think even if, even if you want your phone with you, I think just having a relationship with it where you're able to look at something without only looking at it through your phone's camera lens. Cause I see that a lot as well. I, I you know, in, yeah. in Bali, in my hostel, I see a lot of people who they only seem to view stuff through their camera lens. And I understand why they're doing that. But I think just having, the awareness to maybe keep your phone in your pocket whilst you're experiencing something, not always, but even just sometimes, is, is really a, a, a way to experience a richer style of travel.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. You don't necessarily need 100 pictures. Maybe you just need like five and then you put it away and then enjoy yeah. your time there. Yeah. So. Um, you So you've traveled around the world. Uh, what are some of the top budget-friendly destinations that you have discovered? Uh, which destinations can travelers really get the most bang for their buck?
1: Okay, so I'm going to throw out some kind of curveballs, but uh, all right, all right. I'll, I'll give a little introduction to all of these countries. So Iran is by far the easiest place to budget backpack it's extremely easy to hitchhike there it's extremely easy to couch surf there it's very cheap and the people are incredibly friendly it's one of the safest countries in the world unless you're on an american passport and they decide to seize you as a bargaining chip besides that it's one of the safest countries in the world. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. And it really is just a place where the people are aware that they have a really bad rap um, within the uh, media world. And therefore, they are very keen to welcome travelers to the country and to show them like. Traditional Persian hospitality, which is just crazy. The Pakistan as well is very budget friendly. Um, it has the most untouched and spectacular slice of the Himalayas running through the northern part of it, which is like the Hunza Valley. Um, absolutely beautiful. Again, the Northern part is very, very safe. The last time there was an incident was 2013. Um, Nepal, another cheap, accessible, amazing place to visit. Uh, Turkey, and then Southeast Asia and Central America, those are like the typical places where I would send or recommend to first-time backpackers because it's in in both situations, it's a cluster of pretty safe countries that are linked together by good uh, transport links that are fairly cheap. And where a lot of people tend to speak English, so you know th- those are my recommendations for for cheap destinations.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great tip on jumping into a little bit more English speaking friendly locales for your first timers. Uh, on that regard, whether it's your backpacking or even I think really just um, if you're going to focus on a you know set number, the fifty dollars you know a day, one hundred dollars a day type of thing or whatever is a uh, get your feet wet, right? And then and then venture yeah. out to some of the more uh, challenging ones uh, that are still going to be absolutely rewarding on that. So what about the digital nomad lifestyle here? You know, many aspire to it. The idea of it is enticing a lot, you know, but few actually do it. So what would be your advice for anyone really thinking about that?
1: Well, I've had about 20 different online businesses. Many have failed. Some have succeeded. I've been doing it for over a decade. I've learned a lot. And I think that my top tips in no particular order is one to realize that it's probably going to take about two years before something really takes off and provides you with an income that will actually enable you to travel. Um, and two, to treat it like a job because a lot of people don't and they don't put in the strategy and the discipline that is required. They tend to skirt around the big things that need to be done and focus on things that unfortunately. Whilst they may be sexy and fun, like redesigning your logo for the 10th time or playing around with email lists or playing around with interacting with your audience via social media, these things don't often tend to move the needle. It's more like learning how SEO works, how to drive traffic, uh, how to do lead mags, how to design your own products. These things are hard and they take time. But the good thing about the internet is pretty much all of the information you need is out there. You just have to dig for it. I think as well, it's important to realize that like whilst being a digital nomad is like a really sexy job, like being your own boss working on a passion project, that's kind of just like the tip of the iceberg. It's a lot of other options because I mean you've got this decision as to whether you follow your passion or whether you follow the money. And you might not be particularly passionate about drop shipping staplers from China to Oklahoma. But if you are the biggest supplier of staplers in Oklahoma and you're on a beach in Hawaii, well, who's laughing? So I think it's important to realize that like, you know, a lot of people decide to go down the influencer route because that's the most visible form of digital nomad. It's hard to make it as an influencer. Most influencers don't make it. So I think it's important to consider other options. And of course, with the rise of remote working, it's easier than ever to to have a normal job and to remote work. So I think that that's another important option to consider as well.
0: Yeah, the influencer thing, there's just, there's a lot you know and so i wouldn't recommend fully diving into that and being your only thing if that's what you want to do but you still want to travel and and try at it yeah go for it but have some other sort of revenue streams uh in in the early going because yeah that is also challenging anything with i think the nomad lifestyle aspect is going to be challenging and uh but can be rewarding if you you know can pull some things off and i love that yeah you're you know, you might be doing business in one state, but if you're on a beach in Hawaii or, you know, or Bali like yourself or, you know, over and in, maybe you're in your Thailand or you're just, you know, traipsing around all of Europe while you're making, you know, a side hustle money is certainly enticing to a lot of people out there.
1: Absolutely. And I think another important part of getting your hustle going is trying to find a group of people who are on a similar journey because it can be very, very lonely. So it, it, it really makes sense to choose a digital nomad hotspot, whether that's Madeira or Medellin or Chiang Mai or Bali or like somewhere in Eastern Europe. There's a couple of options popping up there. And to go and to, to hang out in co-working spots, to go to entrepreneurship meeting groups to go to conferences and just to talk to people um that i think is really important because i feel like a lot of people end up burning out because they feel very alone it is a lonely hard job when you start working for yourself in this space you've got to work like 60 70 hours a week because you've got to be hungry or it's just not going to happen so it really helps to surround yourself with people who are on a similar journey who you can bounce ideas off of
0: that's great advice. Yeah, you always need, you know, your support group, your your people, if you will, you 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 need that in, in life and especially if you're going to go out and on your own and, you know, you, you need some support lines uh for for help and extra wisdom and everything. So, speaking of wisdom, any final travel wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners as we wrap up here?
1: I think just go just step out onto the open road with your backpack and be willing to embrace all of the opportunities that come your way. If you see somebody cute who you, you want to talk to them, go and talk to them. If you're terrible at talking to people, go and talk to them because you're only going to get better through practice. Everybody has feelings of anxiety, of loneliness, of, you know, maybe self doubt. I've, definitely experienced those things uh, like a lot on my own travels and on my own entrepreneurship journey. And I think it's just a case of pushing for it, being kind to yourself, being encouraging to yourself, setting clear goals, getting out there and making the life that you want to live happen. Because if you don't, it's quite easy to get stuck.
0: Great insight on that. I think the key there is, you know, being kind to yourself on that because, yeah, I've experienced those things as well. And honestly, I get those feelings before every travel work conference I go to. To be honest, so yeah, put in the 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 kind thoughts to yourself. Look in the mirror if if that helps you. You know, get through things speak your affirmations if you will um, I work on that with my three-year-old daughter right now so I nice. tend to try to work on it with myself as well because it's it's needed um, at times so great insight on all this man I really appreciate it uh, where can people uh, follow you and um, reach out if they have any questions or any any um, anything you want to plug here as we have
1: yeah sure thing um, thebrokebackpacker.com is my site uh, on Instagram you've got tribal underscore Bali, which is my co-working hostel in Bali I'm down there quite a lot. If anyone is visiting Bali, come to the hostel. If you can beat me at a game of pool, I'll buy you a coffee. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram as well, which is Will Hatton underscore underscore. I'm fairly easy to find. Though. Just type my name into Google. Challenge me to a game of pool, and I shall appear.
0: That's great. If I'm ever in Bali, we are playing a game of pool. You are on. I don't drink coffee though, so I'll
1: take. Um A soda or a beer or i'll uh, get you i'll get you a coconut a nice cold coconut
0: all right there we go that sounds that sounds very nice well thank you so much will i appreciate you taking time out of your busy day and also well i guess it's yeah busy night i guess if if you will so thank you for uh with the time change here and everything so i really appreciate it man
1: yeah thank you eric thanks for your time i appreciate you all
0: right that's all the time we have on this week's episode stay tuned for next week i will be on location in jamaica so exciting episodes coming up thanks again To Will for joining, and uh, that's it for this show. Have a great week, everyone.